Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With karate, I'll kick your ass. I'm here to ride over there. Oh, yeah, motherfucker. Gonna kick your fucking derriere. Yeah, yeah. You broke the rules. Now I'm pulling out your pubic hair. You motherfucker. You motherfucker. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's starting to get a little bit dicey with my Lakers. Oh gosh. But it doesn't mean I've lost any enthusiasm. And there's only one place I go for anything sports. It's Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and ads. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. You heard me correctly. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. And you know that I love cereal. Who doesn't love cereal? Magic Spoon is the best cereal. Why? Because it's actually healthy and it tastes as good, if not better, than your favorite child cereals. I should say cereals you liked when you were a child. Amazing, amazing taste. Whether it be cocoa, whether it be peanut butter, cinnamon, fruity, frosted, or the new uh, amazing flavors, cookies and cream, maple waffle, they all taste awesome. It's only 140 calories per serving. You heard me. 13, 14 grams of protein and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. And it's not just a bunch of protein powder with added junk. No, these are keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Magic Spoon is the best. Everyone, every one of my listeners who's tried it has done nothing but rave about it. Go to magicspoon.com Mikey, grab a variety pack, and try it today. Be sure to use the promo code Mikey at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. You don't like it for any reason? Go ahead. They'll refund you. Ba-boom. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com Mikey and use the code Mikey to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Oh, hello, everyone. Hello, my babies, my babies. It is... The Mikey Likes You Podcast, with my co-host, Gloria the Dog. Yes, Gloria. Hi. Kiss my face. Kiss my face. Yes. Um, I wanted to do an episode. <laughs> Sorry, being licked in my face. I wanted to do an episode about things that I noticed, either uh, with patron clients uh, Patreon clients, I should say, or just walking around the gym, watching people train. Um, there are some mostly small issues that I think can make a huge impact on your training and your nutrition. Um, and they're very common issues that I see people encountering. Um, so this is just a, a rundown of stuff that I've kind of gleaned in, in, it's kind of like a Q&A, but in the opposite direction, where I usually solicit you guys for questions, 
this is stuff that I've noticed to be the case. Hold on, my dog is now eating my lip balm. Gloria. She's so sweet, but she's so big and so um, dumb. Uh, all right, so first things first. The front squat problem, I've noticed. So many people avoid front squats, not because they're not mechanically good at them, not because they don't recognize the value in them, but much more so because of the wrist and arm mobility problems that I see people having. Um, I had a particular patron client get in touch with me on the very same day that I saw someone encountering this problem. And he was telling me that he loves getting back into front squats, but he's had to use straps to get the bar back far enough on close to his neck without hurting his wrists and, and things. And I, and I was like, oh man, I need to address this. You only need, Glory, out, come on. All right, there we go. You only need to do front squats in the traditional kind of Olympic lifter way. This dog won't quit. She just literally, a, a closed, locked door, she just blasted it open. This is a German, uh, Australian Shepherd, St. Bernard mix, so she big, she big. Um, but people, you only need to do traditional style front squats where your wrists are back, um, you know, uh, with your fingertips holding the bar underneath you. You only need to do that if you're going to compete in Olympic lifting. Why? Because this is where you catch during the clean. But outside of that, if you're just doing front squats for quad development, which everyone should, um, and also they are ten they tend to be much safer on the lumbar region uh, than the back squat. If you're just doing them for 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 growth or for conditioning, do them the kind of easy way. It absolutely doesn't take away from their effectiveness. In fact, it, it can increase it because it gives you better ability to get the bar back and leave it there without forcing you sometimes if you don't have the wrist mobility. It, it, you know, if you don't have that wrist mobility, it will force you to come forward too much, subsequently rounding the lower back. What I mean by doing it the easy way is put your hands crisscross applesauce in front of you and... Um, your right hand goes in your left shoulder, your left hand goes in your right shoulder, and then rest them above the bar. It easily balances on your upper chest, right by your clavicle, and you can use the, just lightly touch the top of the bar with your hands, and uh, you, you kind of create a shelf with your delts and, and your clavicle area, and you have your hands right there just on top, just for a little bit of balance. It's incredibly comfortable on the wrists and arms, it provides you a better ability to then focus on everything you need to focus on, keeping an upright trunk and um, keeping the, the center of gravity, at least from a lateral sense, over the, the midfoot. So um, don't feel like you're beholden to the, the difficult kind of traditional Olympic style front squat. In fact, I absolutely recommend... No one do that unless you have a desire to compete in Olympic lifting. The next thing I wanted to talk about 
is, uh, since we're talking about squats, is what I like to call mixing and matching. I see so many people mixing and matching different techniques from low bar squat and high bar squat. And this is going to create many problems. If you are low bar squatting, a traditional powerlifting squat, you know, where the bar is farther down on your back, it is not only okay, it's encouraged for you to have a big bend at the waist and then bring your shoulders down and giving you the ability to push your waist farther backwards and keeping your shins upright. What does this do? It puts much more emphasis on the posterior chain. The glutes, low back, hamstrings takes a lot of the emphasis off the quads or the front of your thighs. This is great for powerlifting because you can lift more weight. It also truncates the range of motion. Again, great for powerlifting when all you're concerned about is getting more weight up. The last thing you want to do is increase range of motion when you are lifting if you're just going for big numbers. But if you are looking to squat to develop your legs, to get your heart beating fast, to get your you know, hormonal spike, all the great benefits of squatting, the high bar squat is where you need to look. If you high bar squat, keeping the bar up on top of your traps, it's fully okay, in fact, very much so encouraged, for you to have a longer range of motion, push your knees over your toes, getting them out in front of your toes, and to keep less of a pushback with the hips. In other words, you're, you're essentially, the movement would be to just squat down as opposed to push your hips back and then bend over, uh, like with the, the much more of the, the good morning movement that comes with a low bar squat. There's absolute value into both types of squats. But what I see is so many people get in the, the tremendous problem of mixing and matching. Well, they'll put the bar way up high doing uh, to do a high bar squat and then push their hips super far back trying to get that kind of hip hinge of a low bar squat. What that does is it puts your center of gravity all askew. The bar is up so high on your body that when you do push your hips back and then bend over at the waist, it keeps you move. The momentum is to then move forward. As you're uh, simultaneously trying to keep your shins upright, your body's kind of in a weird paradox where the movement arm is distorted. Um, so don't try to have the wider stance and the high bar squat um, going at the same time. If you're going to low bar squat, go ahead, push your butt way back, bend over a little more, get your shoulders coming down. If you're going to high bar squat, you want to have your knees move forward, subsequently keeping your shoulders a little bit more upright. Um, in both squats, the goal would be to keep 
the bar moving up and down in a completely straight line. But you can only really do that with the low bar squat um, by pushing your hips back because that bar is, you know, say three or four inches down on your back. In a high bar squat, if you push your hips back, there's absolutely no way that the bar is going to stay in a line. It's going to push forward. And then you're off in balance. And again, you've lost all of your power development because the, the movement arm is completely jacked up. Okay? So don't mix and match with your squats. If you're going to high bar squat, make sure you check off all the boxes of technique for high bar squat and avoid those that come with the low bar and vice versa. If you're going to low bar squat, make sure you're checking off all the boxes for low bar squat and, uh, and not the opposite. Next thing I wanted to talk about was breathing. Breathing is very overlooked. The importance of breathing can't be really exaggerated. Um, short anecdote, when I started training at the Crone Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Academy in Culver City, California, which is now uh, now gone, RIP, um, Crone has moved out to Montana and has opened up an academy out there, and he's a great guy. I, I really, I hope nothing but the best for Crone Gracie, because he's He's kooky as all get out, but he's a genuinely nice person and he likes to teach and he's good at it. And he remembers your name, even, you know, no matter how big he got, he always was kind of a very humble and down to earth guy. But Crone, his father is the uh, beyond debate, greatest jujitsu practitioner ever. You know, the Marcelo Garcia gets thrown around. And certainly um, there's other names. And now guys like the Gordon Ryans and the, the uh, Andre Galvao. I mean, there's plenty of names. There's amazing, amazing jiu-jitsu practitioners over many generations. But everyone looks at Hickson as being kind of this Michael Jordan figure. Well, Hickson used to teach at Crohn's a lot. He would do a couple times a week the, the lunch class, which is the one I'd end up going to because at the time I was doing Loveline at nighttime. Both Hickson and Crone would take an enormous amount of time to instruct proper breathing. And at first you're like, well, I kind of breathe on, on my own. My body knows how to do that. But the more and more you would learn, you would realize how much you can control your Every function within your body, whether it be heart rate, whether it be uh, hormone release, uh, your mood, things are, uh, your power and strength development is greatly affected by how you breathe. And obviously, there's going to be tremendous carryover to weight training and your cardiovascular intervals. So, what does that mean for you? It means that whenever you're going to hit something strenuous, whether it be, um, let's take a bench press um, as an example, because I think it's something that everyone can relate and think of in their mind as I'm describing it. When you are unracking the bar and bringing it down to your chest, there needs to be a deep inhale. That is the time to inhale. You don't want to be bringing the bar towards you with an empty chest. You want to... As you're bringing it down, there is a pause and hold 
when the bar is at your chest. And then as you go to push, whenever you're going to exert that force, that is when you forcefully exhale. This not only keeps you safer because you're bracing your torso um, with that air to then keep you safer and keeping you more stable, but that forceful exhale at the point of exertion actually does create more power. There is a reason why boxers, uh, uh, Muay Thai fighters, kickboxers, strikers of all kind, there's a reason why when they throw a strike, whether it be a kick or a punch, there's a You know, when you see them shadow boxing or you hear even, you know, Muay Thai fighters will, hey, hey, when they kick. That's not just for show. That, there's a biomechanical reason for that. That forceful exhale does actually create um, more motor efficiency and power. So um, whenever you're in a position of stability, when you need the body to be stable, you should either be inhaling or holding your breath deeply with a deep, full chest of air and belly of air. Whenever you're going to exert, or the, the, the positive phase of most lifts, you exert a huge, powerful exhale, um, and that will keep you safe, that will give you a little bit more uh, cardiovascular efficiency, and it also will provide more power. Um, let me give you another example of uh, an, an exercise so that we can kind of hammer this home. You are doing a high bar squat. You unrack the bar, it's on the back of your neck and you're getting ready to descend. On the descent, you wanna be inhaling deeply. When you get to the bottom, when there is that transition of power, you wanna have a full belly, okay? If you're gonna just bounce right up from the hole, you can go ahead and then immediately start the exhale. If you're not, there should be a, a pause for however long you're in the bottom. You wanna keep your body full of air, subsequently keeping you stable. If you were to um, have exhaled while you were going down or having an empty chest, uh, empty belly, um, you, you really do make yourself less stable. The, your trunk is now empty and that full lung and di you know, that diaphragm movement does provide tension outwards, creating a more stable core. So deep inhale as you go down, hold, and then as soon as you're ready to come back up, it's and you push it back up as you're push, you know, putting the power into the ground to then bring the squat back up. Okay, so breathing is important. It, uh, it isn't talked about enough. And um, I do have to thank Steve Maxwell, Crone and Hicks and Gracie for really schooling me and showing me firsthand the, the dramatic importance of breathing. Um, uh, next thing, let's talk about um, mixing and matching again. The bench press. Many, 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 many people mix and match the powerlifting style bench press with the bodybuilding style bench press. The powerlifting style bench press, you keep your elbows and your arms pasted to your sides in a much narrower grip. And you arch your back tremendously trying to, again, shorten that range of motion. That does not provide a lot of stimulus for your chest. 
it will give you the ability to lift heavier weights once you get that form down, which is, again, all that's important for powerlifting. But if you're looking to change your physique, I do recommend a much wider grip, not necessarily super wide, but wider, so that you can keep your elbows away from your body a little bit on the descent, not in a, in a parallel line with the bar, but about 45 to maybe 60 degrees away from the body um, and then keeping the wrists above your elbows at all times. Bringing that with that grip and with the elbows flared a little bit more, you're going to put a lot more stress on the chest area and you're going to get a lot more muscular development and recruitment from the chest by doing so. I see so many people kind of mixing and matching or not really understanding the difference between the two and not understanding why they're not getting the results they're looking for. Um, you definitely can't lift as much weight doing a bodybuilding style bench press and you stand a much higher risk of injury doing this. So what does that tell you? It means drop the weight considerably. You're not going to try to break your PRs this way, but what you are going to do is get a lot more muscular recruitment. So keep yourself safe, get a better workout. But if you're going to try to go for those PRs, it, there's, there's just so much more safety. Another reason why powerlifters do it this way, because once the mechanical demand gets high, you're keeping your shoulder girdle and your outer pec much safer by keeping your elbows in tucked. And you get to then rely much more on the um, front delt and the tricep for moving the bar. Um, it does take a learning curve, but once you do learn, you, you actually can lift a lot more weights that way. And you can also shorten the uh, range of motion. So don't mix and match or don't confuse the purpose behind the two different styles of bench press. And a lot of people maybe aren't even familiar with the fact that there are two distinctly different styles of bench press. And so then you go online to do your own research and you're getting all these kind of conflicting messages. So I just wanted to clear that up and let you know that if you want to develop a nice sculpted chest, flare those elbows a little more. Not all, again, not parallel to the bar uh, all the way, but certainly not pasted to your, uh, to your lats and your torso. If you're looking for developing max weight and you want to get into powerlifting or something like that, um, start to learn how to keep your elbows in tight and uh, have a much narrower grip. All right. Um, speaking of mixing and matching, let's go into the world of nutrition. Pardon me while I take a quick sip. Ah, oh, delicious agua, the nectar of the gods. All right, so with the popularity and the relative ubiquity of the keto diet, I'm seeing a lot of people making the huge mistake of mixing and matching ketogenic diet practices with mixed diet practices. If you are on a ketogenic diet and plan on following a ketogenic diet, Things that are very high in fat, sometimes saturated fats, are great. MCT oil, coconut oil, 
um, you have the monos being uh, avocado, um, olive oil. These are things you have to have a lot of and you should be using. Um, uh, really fatty cuts of meat, much more preferable on a ketogenic diet than a leaner cut of meat or chicken breast or something like that. But a lot of people have taken in this information thinking that it is healthy or beneficial in toto and then they also are eating bananas and they are also eating rice and they are also eating sweet potatoes which are great foods for dieting but they're terrible to mix in with a ketogenic diet. The ketogenic diet succeeds because it gives you a better and more natural ability to eat less. Fat and protein, far more filling. And in the absence of carbohydrates, your body has a chemical shift where it starts to use ketone bodies, hence the name keto diet, ketone bodies for energy. And the development of those ketone bodies only comes after a prolonged period of absence from carbohydrates. If you are eating your keto bombs and your, your high fat shakes and your fatty meat, which are higher in calories, and then you team it up with some rice and sweet potatoes, you are subsequently nullifying both types of diet because you're getting, you're destroying the hormonal benefits and the chemical reactions that come from a ketogenic diet. And you're also adding in all the high-calorie, high-fat foods that come with a ketogenic diet, subsequently giving yourself no benefit whatsoever. You're eating too much, and you're also not getting any of the kind of uh, cognitive and metabolic benefits of a ketogenic diet. So don't mix and match. Find what works for you and that is what is sustainable for you. If you are a big fan of ribeyes and avocado, examine the idea of a ketogenic diet. It will help you eat less, which is why people lose weight. There's nothing magic about it, but it is a great way, a great tool into teaching your body to eat less by giving it much more filling foods. And the development of those ketone bodies will make it easier for you to not eat as frequently. So there's a lot of great stuff there, but it all goes to shit if you combine it with other traditional diet foods that are high in carbohydrates. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of more low-fat approach. So pick, pick and choose. Don't mix and match when it comes to keto, non-keto. Uh, I am going to take a real quick break for this fantastic sponsor, and then I'm going to get into the last couple of things that have been irking me when it comes to training and nutrition. Lucy, Lucy, you are the best. Lucy, Lucy, Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, you don't have to deal with vaping or smoking or chewing tobacco. No, you can get the amazing, <coughs> excuse me, amazing, fantastic, wonderful drug of nicotine and a safe alternative that tastes fantastic. Amazing flavors with four milligrams of nicotine in all of the gum and lozenges that Lucy has to offer. Wintergreen, cinnamon, pomegranate. They also have the cherry ice flavor in the lozenges. They all taste fantastic. And four milligrams, a nice little dose of nicotine. I 
love nicotine. I think it's a fantastic drug. It's it's so it's such a shame that there's such a taboo around it because of most of the ways you have to get nicotine. Whether it be smoking or vaping or whatever, it always, you know, makes people think of dirty, nasty, unhealthy. But in reality, the drug of nicotine is great for cognitive benefits, for appetite suppression, for metabolic benefits. So get your nicotine the right way from Lucy. Mikey likes you listeners. Go to lucy.co and use the promo code Mikey to get 20% off all products, including gum and lozenges. That's lucy.co. Use the promo code Mikey at checkout. And remember, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is, in fact, an addictive chemical. Lucy.co. Be sure to use the code Mikey. That's M-I-K-E-Y. A lot of great support has been brought to this podcast by Just Live, a very trusted source of high-quality wellness CBD products created by athletes just for you. And I'm not talking about some run-of-the-mill nobodies. I'm talking about world-class athletes. Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, Travis Pastrana, P-Rod. They needed the best of the best when it came to CBD products, and they created it for themselves. Six different flavors and functions, including sleep, energy, focus, immunity, calm, and vitamin C. They all taste fantastic. This is, in a world of just endless amounts of CBD products, Just Live is bringing you the best of the best made by the people who know the difference. Right now, if you buy one of their new gummy products, you get one free. There are six different benefits to choose from. I love the sleep for getting me to sleep and keeping me that way. And instead of just choosing one, visit justlive.com and use the code SUPPORT to buy one, get one free. Buy one, get one free. You heard me. All of the new gummies on the line right there for you. Use the code SUPPORT at justlive.com. That's buy one, get one free at justlive.com. Use code SUPPORT. Okay. Here's something that I've noticed um, with both people who I work with or that reach out to me on um, Instagram or Twitter. And I've noticed just around the gym. And that is lifting straps. To strap or not to strap? That is the question. Um, the big benefit to lifting straps. Uh, let's take the deadlift or walking lunges, okay? Either one. These are two exercises where... Um, being able to do more weight and more reps is obviously going to benefit you. The problem is, is that your grip will give out far quicker than your glutes and your quads in a lunge and your, uh, your upper back and your hamstrings during a deadlift. Your upper back and your hamstrings and your lats, everything involved in a deadlift, there's so much musculature involved in a deadlift, one of the reasons why it's so fantastic. Um, those are big, strong muscles that are capable of handling tremendous amounts of weight and for doing it for numerous reps. Your grip muscles are not. So you employ lifting straps and it makes you capable of doing lots more weight for lots more reps. Definitely a good thing. The downside is, is that you never develop those gripping muscles. So, what do you do? My take with everything, pretty much in physique training, is 
take the best of both worlds. You should definitely deadlift without straps and train your grip because grip training has so much carryover. Even if you're not, if you are an athlete, there's no sport where having a strong grip and strong finger and hand muscles isn't a benefit. Every single sport, from tennis to football, jujitsu, judo, um, uh, certainly striking sports, boxing, kickboxing, everything, everything is better when it comes to athletic performance if your grip and your hand muscles are stronger. So you should train them. But most people don't have and will never have the grip strength to really, once they start getting their form down and start training a bit, get a little bit of training under the belt, you just will never have the grip strength to properly do shrugs and properly do deadlifts for growth. So what do you do? Again, take the best of both worlds. Get some straps for doing shrugs, <coughs> croc rows, which is just, um, it's named after a power lifter, Kroklowski, um, which is, it, it's a super heavy high rep dumbbell row. Do those with straps and then also work in, uh, you know, a, a balanced amount of exercises without them. I deadlift without straps all the time. But once a week, I deadlift uh, uh, snatch style with my hands way out wide and only go right to below my knees with straps. And I, I, I say, fuck my grip on this one. Fuck my uh, overall strength. I'm going just for hypertrophy. And I'm going to hammer my lats and my upper back. So I try to get the best of both worlds. I train my grip. I also do lots of uh, heavy work without straps. And I pepper it in with exercises that do use straps to then just push my uh, push the the um, tension and the uh, stimulation of musculature. Mo uh, straps are only useful really for pulling movements. Um, but uh, I, I I do croc rows once or once a week. I do barbell rows without straps, and then I'll do croc rows with straps. I'll do um, deadlifts without straps for weight for to develop the hormonal and mechanical benefit and then i'll do um shrugs and uh snatch grip deadlift or or rack deads with straps to get the kind of the upper back and the trap stimulation okay so i'm not anti-strap but i'm also a, a responsible strap user and advocate <laughs> shoes i see so many people squatting in regular old tennis shoes or even um you know like jordans you know like actual sneakers like basketball shoes or cross trainers i see so many people deadlifting in big thick high-heeled shoes not actual high heels but you know what i mean like uh, running shoes or something like that bad bad move I don't expect you to go out and invest in a pair of lifting shoes, which essentially what they are is a very flat front of the shoe with a elevated heel, and they are designed to keep your feet stable. Also, the bottoms of them are very abrasive to 
the average gym floor. So it gives you stability and balance, and it also elevates that heel so that when you squat or you do Olympic lifts, you have an elevated heel to keep the bar in a straight line and keep the center of gravity in place. If you are using the average cross trainer or running shoe or, or sneaker to squat, bad move. You, you have not only an elevated heel, but you also oftentimes have a very elevated toe area. This is going to distort the way you squat and it's very unsafe. It can cause injury. So being that I said, don't go and invest in lifting shoes if it's not an investment you want to make, when you high bar squat, either go barefoot or wear really flat shoes, Vans, Converse, Chuck Taylors, and then put a, a five or 10 pound plate underneath your heels. You get, you get right there. It's like a little homemade lifting shoe. You're elevating your heel and you have a very flat front. If you're going to deadlift, go barefoot, go in socks. And if you're going to wear shoes, wear the flattest shoes you can get. Again, Converse Chuck Taylors, I definitely recommend or, or some Vans, slip-on Vans, not the big bulky Vans, just regular old slip-ons or the classic old schools. You just want to have very little space between you and the ground, as little as possible. I deadlift barefoot. Some people think it's yucky. I don't give a fuck. Uh, do it in socks or do it in the flattest possible shoes you can find. This will make a big difference um, as far as safety and as far as your ability to pull. Um, so there you go. Again, deadlifting, you want as little space between your feet as possible and the ground if you can, if you're willing, socks or bare feet is great. If you're squatting high bar, uh, you want an elevated heel and you want no space between your toes or very little space between your toes. So either put a plate behind you um, underneath the heel or get some lifting shoes, something like that. But uh, the average athletic sneaker is going to fuck you up, okay? Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, it's a, it's an understandable mistake because you're working out, you want to wear like sneakers or cross trainers, just understand that there is a problem with that. Um, it, mainly with those two exercises, obviously if you're bench pressing or doing rows, it doesn't mean one bit of difference. I, um, I only bring, like I have a gym bag and I bring my gym bag only on squat day. Because that's the only time it really matters for me. I'll bring my lifting shoes and then I'll squat in my lifting shoes. And then when I um, do pretty much everything else, I just wear whatever shoes I, I have on. Because when I deadlift, I just take my shoes off. Okay, so there, there's um, kind of the deal. Now, a, a little caveat. If you're a low bar squatter, you can have very flat shoes. You don't need to elevate your heel um, to do low bar powerlifting squats. In fact, you will see world-class powerlifters lifting in, you know, $19 Converse for that reason. I don't know if there's any rule against uh, squatting and deadlifting in barefoot or in your socks, but uh, they don't, I don't see competitive powerlifters do it. So when they, when they powerlift, they usually wear Converse Chuck Taylors or like wrestling shoes. I see that is pretty common because it, it just has a super teeny little flat bottom. Um, my Patreon is available for everyone. If this podcast got you interested and you're like, hey, this is a lot of good information. I appreciate this guy doing this. 
Um, I appreciate you listening. I really do. I have a Patreon. If you want more info, there is a bonus pod every week. There is exercise tutorials. There is now going to be a live streaming Ask Me Anything twice a month. There is also at the top tier your ability to work with me personally. And I mean personally. I will always get back to you within 24 hours regarding anything. There's no question too silly um, at the top tier. I'm, I essentially become your de facto personal trainer, live-in personal trainer, even though I'm doing it digitally uh, from, from, a, from afar. Um, but I provide customized um, nutrition and training plans for everyone that uh, is in the top tier, and it progresses and we periodize everything as we work together. Um, so there it is, Mike Catherwood on Patreon. And always, there is my socials, at Mike Catherwood on Instagram and Twitter, at MikeyLikesYou1, the number one, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, that is the personal podcast outlet for me. Um, I love all of you, every single one of you listeners. I super duper love all of my patrons. And remember, in this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares, I do. Thank you to Bet Online and all my sponsors for this podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.